Hey everybody, welcome back to the Noggin Notes podcast. I am Jake Wiskirchen. I'm your host as always. This podcast is really long and um, I think it's worthwhile. The guest that I interview, Michael Sodini, you can find out more at michaelsodini.com or go to his uh, foundation's website called walkthetalkamerica.org and you can find out what Walk the Talk America is doing. Um, you, alternatively, you can just listen to what what my interview uh, tries to cover with him. There's so much to be said. Uh, I was I was really blown away, and I'm really encouraged by I think what is going to be a, a really wonderful partnership between Zephyr Wellness and uh, Walk the Talk America. Really fortunate to have interviewed him. Really blessed to have uh, become. Uh, familiar with him and his organization. And I think we're, we're really going to bridge a lot of gaps between uh, the gun community and the mental health community uh, who historically have uh, just ver- stood far apart from one another and not really connected. So I- I'm, I'm enthused. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. You can continue listening to the, to the interview and uh, find out more. And then you can also donate at the, you know, at the site, walkthetalkamerica.org. Uh, I also wanted to give a brief plug for our app. If you're only familiar with Noggin Notes through the podcast, I highly recommend that you go check out the app. It's a, it's a mobile app. It's available on all platforms. Download it to your phone or your, your um, tablet. And then what you do with it is you log in, you create an account, you log in, and you start tracking your emotional functioning. And it's super cool, and it's super private, and it's all encrypted. And nobody will ever see your stuff except for you, unless they steal your phone, hack in, know your password. But, um, but I mean, that's sounds more secure to me than just carrying around a, a regular old journal with a with a pen and paper that you can, you know, lose somewhere, or get wet in the rain, or uh, your toddler throws it in the toilet, <laughs> so, or if you're a teenager, you you know your your big brother uh, steals it and reads it when you're not around. So, um, I highly recommend the Noggin Notes app. It's a it's a digital journal uh, for all intent and purpose. It's very self explanatory, very straightforward, and lots of people are figuring out how to manage their emotional functioning through simple uh, journal notes made in the app. And as an added bonus, you get to hear my voice uh, because the app is embedded. I'm sorry the uh, the podcast is embedded into the app. So check out the Noggin Notes app if you're not familiar. But without further delay, this is my interview with Michael Sodini from Walk the Talk America. Enjoy. All right, so we're back on the Noggin Notes podcast, and we're talking to Mike Michael Sodini. You go by Mike or Michael? Uh, either or. I mean, Michael's okay. yeah, Michael's what's out there, but people call me Mike all the time, so it's, it's all good. All right, Mike. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Mike Sodini is, uh, he's, he's a, I guess you're, you'd say you're a firearms uh, brand developer. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I own a firearms company that, that does everything top to bottom, right? So if you, the easiest way to describe it, like if I meet somebody and I'm describing it to somebody who does it, is not in the industry, is I, Eagle Imports, which is my company, imports firearms from all over the world. We bring those firearms to the United States. So if you were, say, like in a place, I don't know, pick a country like Colombia, you would find a guy like me because you're, you're not big enough to have your own factory there mm-hmm. or it doesn't make sense. So you find a guy like me that handles your importing, your sales, your customer service, your marketing, and your warranty. So I created like a turnkey operation for companies that just aren't ready to make that jump yet, or maybe they never will make that jump to the United States. Maybe it works out for them because they have the rest of the world to sell to. So they sell it to me and then I move it on. But I also build the brand as well. Okay. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, that makes sense. And that's kind of what I got from your uh, bio. And, and uh, 
there, there was an introduction to this. Uh, I haven't recorded it yet because I record my introductions after I do the interviews. But in the introduction, it will have said kind of who you are. And so people aren't uh, wondering why we're talking to this this guy who um, – you know, it's arms dealer, <laughs> if, if you will, um, on, a, on a mental health podcast. But um, there is a connection. And what you, I, I love the story. I heard you actually tell the story on a different podcast. I'm just going to make you retell it. I'm sure you've told it a zillion times. But the story about where you were out dining uh, with your buddy and uh, you, you invited this gal over to sit at your table. And that was the inspiration for Walk the Talk America. So I will pause and let you tell that story because I think it's really cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was at uh, my national sales manager and I, Rafael Valle, were out and we were just kind of tearing it up in New Orleans. We were there for some business and we had gotten done. We went to this really, really nice restaurant and I had gone up uh, to use the restroom. And when I came back, he was talking to this older lady that was cool. And uh, they, they had read the same book. So we got to talking and then we sat down. We had an open chair. So I was like, hey, why don't you go talk to that girl? I was like, have her come back over here. She should join us because she was by herself on business. Well, she did. She knew nothing about firearms, but she wasn't against it. She just had no opinion. So she was kind of asking how the situation works when there's mass shootings or things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of said, well, let me break it down for you. It's not it's not the firearm. It's the person. So they blame the firearm. We blame mental health because it's a crazy person with a gun. Right. I was back in that day. I was still in that mind frame to say things like that. I didn't realize like it was sort of an irresponsible statement, mm -hmm. um, you know, and adds to a lot of problems. But I said, so we blame the crazy person with a gun and that's mental health issue. And then it just goes in a circle and nothing happens. And she framed it up in such a way. Like her next question was, well, okay. So you've identified the problem. Like, how do you work? You guys must work hand in hand with mental health. <laughs> my national sales manager and I, we didn't keep in mind, we we're like 10 vodka sodas deep in a piece into this thing. Parting in New Orleans. At each other and we, we're like, no, I, I don't think we really do. And, um, you know, I kind of, and we sat there and he kind of joked around. He said, that, you know, Mike, you really should donate like a dollar gun to mental health. He kind of just threw it out there as a broad idea. But I was sitting there thinking about it at the dinner table, and I became obsessed with the idea. Like, I started thinking, I said, I know so many people, but, you know, I could probably make up some. But I, I always knew that there had been budget cuts in mental health, right? I knew that just from watching the different media outlets and mm -hmm. hearing other people talk about it. But I was like, you know, I have access to industry leaders and things like that. I mean, yeah, maybe they would, if I did it, maybe they would follow me in and, and, and chip in as well. And, um, you know, I, the, I never got the lady's name. That's the shame or, you know, the shame part, or the bad part of the story is. And then at the end of the night, as we were saying goodbye to her, she kind of looked at me and she said, you're going to do this. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to figure this out. She's like, I can see it in your face. And I gave her a hug. Nice to meet you. That was it. She was from Texas. <laughs> so that's, that's how it started. Man, that's awesome. And, and an uh, uh, unknown lady from Texas who ran into two guys in New Orleans who are 10 vodka sodas deep and talked about guns and mental health. If you're listening, uh, you can contact Michael at his website, michaelsodini.com, uh, and then uh, get credit for the idea, which is Walk the Talk America. Uh, so tell me, tell me, tell the listening audience more about what uh, WTTA is and what you're trying to do. Cause this is a big idea and I love it. I get really fired up about big ideas too. And, and I can, I can already hear the enthusiasm in your voice, just retelling the story. Oh yeah. It's uh, it, 
sometimes I, I have to be reeled in because I can, this, this honestly, it plays out sort of like a movie, how it, how it's happened, where it is, how it started and where it is now. But, okay. Uh, so after New Orleans, I got back to Vegas and did a bunch of research, a lot of Google searches. And I knew it was important to try to find a mental health organization that either didn't take a stance on guns or was programmed. I didn't, I didn't know either way, but I, I was going to find out. And there was also that concern that maybe there isn't any. Um, mm. And that's going to be interesting. So I got lucky. I found uh, a position paper, position paper 72 by Mental Health America, that basically started off with everything I needed to hear. Uh, they do not take a stance on firearms, even though they know that that stance will upset many of their colleagues and peers. But they didn't feel that taking a stance either way was going to do anything to solve any of the issues. And some of the things that I loved about that position paper, it basically explained like, look, we have outreach. We, there are these things we can do. We've had so many budget cuts and I get it. Like a lot of people say, okay, somebody goes out and does something with a firearm. Um, they're going to do it anyways, or they're evil, but who's to say that if we didn't get the opportunity to have some outreach or, or they had outlets to go to that we couldn't have stopped them, right? Just as you can make the argument that somebody will go do something bad if they're, they're that's the destiny. Um, you could also say, well, if we could have touched them in some sort of way to, you know, give them some help and that type of thing, that maybe it wouldn't happen. And I, I do believe that, you know, uh, no one has a crystal ball. So basically I got excited. I wrote this crazy Jerry Maguire, Hail Mary email <laughs> that, you know, all my colleagues that I had told about this idea that said they helped me with it said, just wait, you, you don't even have Walk the Talk America yet. Like you haven't been okayed by the, the government, you know, as a, you know, the 501 uh, C3, just, just be patient. <laughs> and typical me, I just ran forward. I sent an email. <laughs> that was it. You know, Who's coming hear. with me? <laughs> yeah. I, and it was funny is I didn't, you know, at the time, I didn't hear back from anybody for like a week. And the day, this is the irony of it, uh, is the day that I found out that my CFO had called me and said, listen, that letter came, were, were approved, which happened very fast. They usually say that when you go, you know, register as a nonprofit, it could take up to a couple months. Uh, we were talking about like a week and a half. Um, wow. That same day that I got that letter is the same day that Mental Health America had responded to my email that's awesome and i assume that was an affirmative because you cite them on your website yeah i actually post on the web you know on the website uh, on the walk to talk america website i actually post the emails the email exchange mm -hmm. i saw that yeah but for the people yeah. who aren't uh, uh maybe up to speed because they're just hearing this for the first time go check it out at walkthetalkamerica.org uh, and that's that's really all you need. Just go to the website, start poking around. I want to shift the conversation. That's a really cool story, and I appreciate it because it's this, it's the same type of story that fires me up to to go do a lot of things that I do. Where you just have an idea, you have a vision, you have a lot of faith. It just strikes you as the right thing to do at the time, so you just go do it, and you don't ask permission necessarily from anyone because. I have this belief that truth just resonates with people, and uh, when something's right, uh, it. It gets life, and I think you're doing that. But I want to shift the conversation. You're, you're from Vegas now, but you're originally from New Jersey, and you've you spent some time around the world. Um, give a brief backstory about you know your your journey growing up and how you ended up in Vegas, and then uh, tell me about uh, one October and your experience with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I grew up in 
what many would consider two of the most liberal places on the planet, right? Like the Jersey Shore, New Jersey, and mm-hmm. then also San Francisco, uh, California. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of what got me the nickname, the ungun gun guy. You know, people always call that. It's like, you don't act like a gun guy, you know, because I really didn't grow up around firearms. I didn't hunt. I didn't have these things. I had family members that were in firearms, but, you know, being in Jersey, it's just not easy to have access to those things, to do that stuff on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with a single mother, uh, moved around a lot, managed to make it to a lot of different places. Um, I, some of it, even overseas, I, I actually went to Singapore American High School for a little bit. Um, you know, that was an interesting experience. It was the first time I'd ever lived outside of the country, like, you know, or, or I'd actually been out for an extended period of time. Um, Came what were back. you doing there? How'd you, how'd you get to Singapore? Uh, my mom ma- uh, married my, my stepfather, um, and he worked for APL, which is a shipping company. So hmm. one day, you know, I'm, I'm in California, and they're like, we're moving to Singapore. And I was like, what, wait, where? <laughs> 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 you know, because I'm like, do they even speak English there? You know, you go through all these little things yeah. and you panic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it was actually a really cool experience. Uh, really cool city. I just... I wish I had a little bit of a better attitude back then when I was there because there was a lot that Singapore had to offer, but I didn't want to leave California. You know, I, was, I found my groove there. Like, I was an athlete and everything like that, but um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world now, you know, because those are experiences that, you know, stay with you forever, so. Yeah, and so eventually you made it back to the U.S. and you, you went to school uh, Arizona State, is that right? Yep, AC? I'm a sun devil. I went to Arizona State University. Um, I graduated college and then I graduated college, came back to Jersey to, to go into the family business, um, then took a little bit of a detour. So I worked in fashion industry for a few years that, that brought me all over the world as well, which is a great experience. Um, you know, married, a married a model, had some beautiful children and then, eventually had to to kind of get into a regular real job that had benefits and security as well um so i ended up going back to work for the uh you know nepotism runs deep in our family so (laughs) i ended up going back to work for the gun the gun company and they moved me out to las vegas now the funny part is i'm the only one left the only one left in my family with the company. So all those people are gone. And now I'm the ungun gun guy who does, I'm just your average everyday model turned firearms. <laughs> easy, easy story. Who, who doesn't, who doesn't have that tale? Yeah, so, exactly. So you, Nobody wants to hear about that. <laughs> so you're this, so you're this firearms guy working in Las Vegas, important through New Jersey. And, um, and the, the route 91 shooting happens in Las Vegas on October 1st, uh, 2017, uh, you didn't have this conversation with the gal in New Orleans until uh, 2018, summer of 2018, if, I, if memory serves. Um, so, what, what's going through your head at the time when the when the shooting goes down at the at the concert? Well, I had just gotten out. It, yeah, that was a very very surreal night um, for me. It was the equivalent of uh, 9/11, right? Like, yeah, I bet. because there, there's all this information that is being passed around, and when you live in Vegas. Um, you know, we're hearing all kinds of different things, right? So I'm on this big text chain because we're tech, uh, all my friends and I are checking in with each other. Is everybody okay? Is mm-hmm. everybody accounted for it? You know, uh, I, I had just come from the Golden Knights game with my, my daughters, uh, and my wife. And we had taken an Uber 
from T-Mobile Arena and gone past uh, Mandalay Bay, but we had gone an hour and a half before that started, so we were nowhere near it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that's great. I, I wouldn't want to be attached to being next next to any of that, especially with my daughters there. Yeah. Um, but we, we got home. And it's funny because when we were driving by Mandalay Bay, there were so many people like walking across the street to that open area where the concert was. I said to the Uber driver, I said, what's going on? And uh, he said, oh, it's this concert. And he said, uh, it's, it's crazy. There's so many people here. It's a country western concert. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not my thing. So... Um, get get back start hearing all the reports start coming in um in the beginning you know there was a lot of confusion like it sounded like there were many casinos under attack you know people didn't realize like people were running into these casinos with blood all over them oh, so people thought there were shootings like new york new york you know yeah this type of thing. that's a new perspective so, i hadn't heard that before yeah so it was hard to get real information and what was weird is we were kind of getting information because everyone has a friend that's either a cop or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of passing this information along and I'm watching the news and the news is behind some of the stuff that we're hearing because uh, they're just standing out there and yeah. you know, I have friends that were kind of on the scanner. But it was, it, it's, a, it's you know, that was a tough one to accept because it's like 9-11. Those are things that you think of like, it's like a Michael Bay movie. You know, it's like, yeah, that wouldn't be possible. Yeah. Somebody did something like that. So, yeah. yeah. How, how did that, how did that resonate with you as being in the firearms industry and watching this go down? I mean, you, you've certainly dealt with probably the blowback on, uh, you know, school shootings and that type of thing. Other, other mass casualty events that where firearms are involved and, um, you know, you're right there and it's in your hometown. Uh, did anybody question you on that or, uh, try to, change your mind you know how could you be a part of this industry that kind of thing you know i've never really lived my life to where i get into kind of those debates because i've always appreciated where people are coming from when there is a tragedy um going into the industry as an undone gun guy right a guy who's i'm into sales i'm actually into guns i love guns i believe in the second amendment but i'm not someone like you know, I always make the joke, like a Star Wars nerd knows everything about the Millennium Falcon. Like, there are gun guys. Like, they just love talking about guns. So I've always been able to approach talking about guns from a kind of more of an objective. Like, I get it. I get why you don't like it. I don't like to hunt. I'm not a hunter. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it, whatever. So, you know, I have these conversations. And what I found with the, the blowback with people that don't understand it, they just talk about that emotional charge they feel. Right. And when I got into the gun industry, as someone who just kind of looks at it from the situation of, all right, what is really what, educate me on this? Like educate me the difference between semi-automatic and automatic. Mm-hmm. Right. Like understanding those little things, being that I've been around gun people so long too, seeing their reaction, right. Their reaction has never been a positive one when there's a shooting. I have never seen. Yeah, nobody celebrates death. Right. I've never seen anybody cheer. I've never seen anybody go, well, at least we'll get some sales. Like I hear yeah. all these things that, that people that have an anti-gun stance or they don't understand, maybe it's not anti, they just don't understand. They say things that I'm like, I, I'm a gun company. You know, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm at all these shows. I'm around these manufacturers. I'm around the presidents of these companies. 
And I've never seen anybody cheer. As a matter of fact, I've seen people get more frustrated because they're like, oh, boy, now we're going to have to defend ourselves. We're mourning, too, right? Like, nobody wants to be the, the company that that firearm is attached to because mm-hmm. it's just it's not a good look. And we look at that, like, where people put the blame, and that is a tough one. So I go into these conversations understanding that these people are emotional, that they're they're upset. So I'm able to kind of say, like, I get it. You know, there's going to be some pushback against me and what I do. But if someone has ever said to me, like, you know, there's blood on your hands. Well, first of all, I'm not going to engage in that type of conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to tell them how tough it is. Because I actually have for as many horrible stories with a firearm that, you know, you can hear, whether that's a mass shooting or suicide, right? There's plenty of great stories, even, you know, families that enjoy shooting together. Uh, you know, soldiers that have PTSD that find their solace of going into the range and, and, and just not thinking and just firing at a target. Like, I've seen it save lives as well. I've seen there's many different aspects to it. So there's so many variables. It's hard to kind of get into it. You know, if somebody's just totally irrational and they're going to just take that hardcore stance, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm really not going to do that. But like when I meet people, this, you know, you let me go on, I'll go on forever about this. But when I meet people at a bar and they ask what I do, right. I always try to do this with them. I say, listen, I'm going to talk to you about this. You can ask all the questions you want. At the end of this conversation, you're either going to say, I need to rethink how I feel about guns, or you're going to look me in the eye and say, yeah, I just want them to all disappear. Because I think that's a fair ending, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you've made the decision that no matter what, you're not going to like guns, like, I can accept that too. Right. Like, who am I to say that you're not right if you could just make every gun disappear off the street? Maybe we would be better. I doubt it. (laughs) I think we'll always find a way to... You know, that's what that's what human beings do, right? We're tribal. <laughs> yeah, and and, and like, we and we channel our our emotions in certain ways that are often not healthy, and one of those ways is violence. And so, it's a reasonable conversation to have where you say, "All right, remove remove one object of violence, and it'll probably just be replaced with another object of violence." And uh, you know, policy wise, where do you draw the the line on what is and is not to be controlled by government or whatever? Um, and I and I, I accept that. I, I think that's a really fair point. I want to go back to something though, because you know people are listening to this and they they're used to listening to Naga Notes uh, talk about mental health stuff, and um, and I want to make sure that we kind of stay true to that mission. But you mentioned the PTSD. Uh, you got a soldier with PTSD whose um, whose therapy really is going to the range, and and I and I appreciate that, and I think that that begs a, a much more nuanced conversation. The, the the type that I like to have with people um about how how things are not binary they're they're not black or white they're not all or nothing they're not either or but there's a there's a middle path and and most of life is lived in the gray in the middle and the the gray is full of nuance and context and and for for me as a clinician when i when i have the podcast and i i host lectures and i do my supervision with my interns and i and i have students and whatnot um, I try to help people understand that, that emotional functioning requires vulnerability, it requires an intimacy, it requires a proximity with, with other human beings that is scary. 
that means that we have to step out of our boxes and our labels and acknowledge that life is not as simplistic as we want it to be. And so for some people who may not be hip to the the clinical level of, you know, diagnostics, um, they hear something like a person with PTSD and they negatively associate it, even though we have lots and lots of information that says people with PTSD typically are not violent. Um, a very, 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 very tiny percentage actually of the, the mentally ill uh, become violent. Uh, that's that's a that's a complete myth. And if I can blow that up now, I will. Um, but so you hear a soldier PTSD. What do you mean he's shooting guns? And it's like, well, yeah, it's um, it's it's not prohibitive, and and in some cases, it's actually quite therapeutic. Um, and I love that you touched on that. I'm wondering a couple of things. One is is Walk the Talk America trying to bring more conversation to that. Uh, that nuanced gray area. And also, is your experience with these folks who are gun owners and struggle with mental health issues, because uh, nobody wants their rights taken away just because you got sick. Like, I want to be very abundantly clear about that. Because um, as a practitioner, I think I view mental illness as, as an illness. It's an illness and you can recover. And that's that's the end of the story. There is no there is no debate beyond that. That's, we put a period at the end of that. Because if we don't believe that people can recover, then my profession ceases to exist. So I'm not interested in having like the same irrational debate that you, you mentioned about people who are anti-gun and they won't hear anything but their own narrative. I'm not interested in having a debate about, you know, permanent mental illness. That's, that's just not, barring some organic structural deficiency in the brain, which is very, very hard to diagnose. Um, you know, or t- traumatic brain injury, um, people should be able to recover because if they can't recover, then, then why do what we do? So you have somebody who's living with, you know, struggling with a mental illness, maybe they're getting treatment or whatever. And this coping mechanism ex- exists is your conversation with these people seeming to bring more and more of them out into the honest open to talk about this? Or is it like, no, we're still afraid. We don't want to, we don't want to admit that we're struggling because we might have our guns taken away. We might risk our jobs, you know, because, you know, cops and firefighters, lots of first responders, emergency room doctors, they, they all struggle with this too. So two part question, you know, what's mental health America doing for the conversation? Then what's your experience in in dealing anecdotally with these, these folks? Okay. uh, Yeah, actually too. And I have a really cool story that I want to, you know, when we get to the end of those questions, I want to definitely tell you, because I think that you and your listeners will appreciate, um, you know, but so yes, walk and talk America, that the whole point of it is to open a dialogue. That's, that's a big part of it. Open the dialogue for everybody. Um, The, the, there hasn't been much pushback to that. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I've been at this since June, June was the idea, right? (laughs) Um, and in the beginning, it took off so much that I got, I kind of got thrust into this role as like mental health professional. Um, oh, startling. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just was one of those things where I would go to a speaking event, I would talk about the concept. Um, and then all of a sudden, I had people coming up to me after with like tears in their eyes. And, and I, I, it's not my dynamic speaking ability. That's making, that's touching people, right? Yeah, I'm a kid, yeah. from, punk kid from Jersey. I, it's, it's, it's more or less that they were looking at a man who owns his own firearms company that's saying it's okay to come out of the shadows and talk about this. We got to get rid of, you know, uh, the stigma behind it. And that's what's, that's what's destroying a lot of our vets and first responders because they don't want to lose that clearance. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's been kind of, it's been rewarding, but at the same time, like it's, you know, it's a lot of responsibility when you're like, okay, now I'm in this role of, of making something happen 
you know, for me, when I first started, I was kind of like, yeah, well, I'll go raise money and we'll figure out those programs. Right. Yeah. I didn't think about the aspect of how many people, um, you know, were, were, were battling and suffering that didn't want to come forward. And they're like, look, there's been so much fear mongering with, with mental health because it's like gun grabbers in disguise. Right. Yeah, and then on, yeah. on the other side of it is, Hey, I have some real problems, <laughs> you know, that yeah, I, help, help me. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, it's been awesome to open the dialogue and then I owe a lot of that to mental health America kind of accepting me, um, and, and listening to me because I feel like we've been able to accomplish a lot in a very short time because, you know, when they're not, and I, I hate to say it this way, but you know, it's kind of like putting an anti-gun and a, a pro second amendment person in the same room you know, the pro second amendment person has the pride from my cold dead hands kind of view. And the other person's like, Hey, I'm seeing you statistics, anti-gun that we, we need to make changes. They're, they're never going to be able to communicate if they can't just have a discussion where they sit and they listen and they take turns, right. you know, and a normal thing. And that's, what's been cool about walk talk America uh, with mental health America is we've spent enough time together where they know if I tell them something, it, it, it's real. It's a real issue. And then they think about it. And I can give like one example of that, um, you know, red flag laws. And for your listeners, mm-hmm. red flag laws are a hot topic right now. You, are you familiar with those? I am. And uh, the Nevada legislature was at least preliminarily kicking around the idea of uh, entertaining some bills to deal with that. So just for the listening audience, we're recording this in 2019, uh, March, uh, legislative sessions going on right now. Uh, so the June that you mentioned is June of 2018 when um, the idea for yeah. Mental Health America, uh, I'm sorry, Walk the Talk America got started. But yeah, tell, tell about red flag laws, please. So basically red flag laws are protective orders and they, they vary from the states that they exist in. So different states have different rules to them. Uh, but in the Second Amendment community, they are considered the, a, a, an opportunity for gun grabbing without due process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a hot topic. As a matter of fact, if you even usually entertain the idea of listening to a red flag law, it could get you tarred feathered and drummed out of the community. Um, hmm. now there's layers to this. So it's, it's not, you know, when everybody from the two, a community looks at it, they're looking at it from being an honest law abiding citizen with no problem. So I get that. It's let, me, like, let me jump in real quick. So for the international audience who may not be familiar, 2A is a reference to the Second Amendment, and that's the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, which uh, protects a citizen's right to bear arms and uh, form a well-regulated militia. And there, there's debate about what those terms mean and, and whether or not it's still relevant and, and so forth. So when you say 2A or Second Amendment, what you're talking about is is the right to keep of a citizen to keep and bear arms, meaning firearms. Absolutely. Um, and And... And that's, you know, it's something that is a little bit of a boogeyman for my industry. A lot of people talk about these laws uh, or, you know, these orders, and they they never had anyone experience them or they've never had to use them on anybody. But it's just not a good thing for the Second Amendment community. Now, um, you know, on the flip side of that, there are people in the mental health side, if you just want to separate those two. That say, look, there's certain times when these are necessary. And I absolutely believe that there are times when people need to have their, their firearms, uh, you know, whether that's a family member do it. I'm not a big government guy, but, you know, everyone's had a, a person in their family or, you know, if you had it, 
you understand how hard it is as somebody with dementia, right? Yeah. Like everyone's had to have that conversation with great grandpa. Like oh. I got to take your keys. Yeah. Yeah. Driving. <laughs> and, right. 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 And and my whole thing is, is if the firearms community gets better at policing our own and kind of taking that pro, um, you know, proactive approach to, what we're doing like we can make safe spaces to maybe where you don't get and this is that's a whole nother walk to talk america thing right like i can tell you about the programs we're doing later but mm-hmm. you know that's really one of the, the 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 biggest issues in the industry right now is you know red flag laws and and what those type of things do gun grabbing so it's, you know, it's, the, yeah so go back, well, to go back to your point the two sides those are the things, those are the emotional things that keep people from having a normal conversation. Right. Right. <laughs> if I'm, I'm like, you don't understand. Well, that's not going to be, pro- that's not going to do anything productive. That's to get any further in any kind of conversation to make somebody understand. And you, know, you got to be able to say like, look, this is what I believe. And this is why. And let me tell you and educate you. You got to be more inviting. And, yeah. And um, regular, regular listeners of this show will understand that, uh, when you're emotionally flooded, the prefrontal cortex, the logic center of your brain, does not work. So if you're emotionally flooded because you're defending an idea or a belief, and I've pr- for long, uh, for a long time advocated for people to hold their beliefs loosely because if you hold your beliefs loosely, you can receive new information that maybe makes you change your mind about it. So you can have your beliefs, but you don't want to be emotionally tied to them because being emotionally tied to them means that you can't have a logical conversation about them. And that's fine if you don't want to change your mind, but what we don't want to do is try to convince other people to come over to the to our side while they themselves are in emotion and we are in emotion as well because then logic ceases to exist and at bare minimum, even if it does exist, the wrong part of the brain is is activated and it won't be received. So when you when you talk about two sides, it's it's a very binary proposition in and of itself. You got one side saying one thing, one side saying the other thing, and both of them are digging their heels and saying, I, I refuse to evaluate my beliefs. Well, the simple fact is there's a middle ground. And so, you know, we can't, we can't have a conversation about red flag laws if people are emotionally flared. Um, and I will tell you that from a clinical standpoint, no clinician wants to be in the middle of making a determination about somebody's mental health that's going to take, take their rights away. I mean, we have, we already have a tough enough time calling in reports of suspected abuse of children. Uh, because we believe that they could be separated from their parents if, if substantiated. And what I tell my interns is, you're not the investigator. All your job is is to report suspicion in that in that case. And that's a nice little curtain to hide behind until you become the investigator. And then you have to determine whether or not the child's safe with their parents. And some of us do that too. And ostensibly, some of us would be in the position to evaluate somebody's mental capacity in a case of a, a domestic violence situation or a or a dementia situation, or um, you know, just a, a suicidality uh, moment that that where we end up putting our license on the line and says, you know, I believe this person is not you know healthy enough to maintain this constitutionally protected right, which is crazy. Right. Um, uh, so therefore, to keep them safe, you know, I recommend, Your Honor, that uh, they cough up their firearms, and then and then policing that is another issue because you have to register them and make sure that the home is, you know, take you know cleared of all the guns and like who's going to do that, and then you know who's going to sign for it. So there's a there's a big there's a much bigger discussion to be had than just oh it's gun grabbing refuse it. It's like no it's it's not, and there's and there there are other ways to go about having that conversation if 
if we can remain logical and rational about it and not retreat to emotion. You said you had yeah. a story. Oh, yeah, the story. Okay, so um, one of the, the cool stories about, like, when I first got in, into the weed with Walk to Talk America is I had this concept and I was going to all these shows talking about it and it was giving a, there was like this big kind of rush of cheerleading that was coming on from the, the Second Amendment community and you know, one of my buddies was like, listen, I have a friend, she does a lot of fundraising, she wants to meet you and I said, well, okay, about what? And she was, she was like, I, I don't know. She does fundraising though and I think she could help the organization and I was like, okay. You know, I'll meet with her to lunch, you know, so we go to lunch and I'm sitting there at this table and, you know, in the beginning, I, I just didn't, I, and, and the way that my mind works, I talk a mile a minute, I'm Italian, I use my hands. Like I, I you know, I'm, I feel never, you on I'm that. not a like, dynamic speaker or anything like that. So sometimes I'll just ramble, especially if you get me excited, <laughs> and, you know, like just us talking, I've got 35 more stories. I'm like, this show needs to be three hours. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally. <laughs> you know, if I have to be reeled in, but so I'm going, going off about, you know, WTTA, which is walk, talk America and everything about it. And finally I realized in my, I just talked for the last 35 minutes. I have to like get some feedback because I don't know why I'm here. So <laughs> <laughs> I look at her and I'm just like, so do you have anything to say? Like, is there, do you have any questions? And she, she looks at me and she goes, um, I had something happen to me four years ago and she goes, it, and it, it was something, it was, it was somewhat of a crisis. And if I didn't have a really, really good, great doctor that was very observant and I was the new doctor. So it was just luck. She goes, I wouldn't be here telling you the story if I had access to a gun. Right. And so immediately I'm like, Oh man, is she like here to yell at me or what? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. You, you know, I'm going to explain to him, you know, like yeah. da 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 da. So I just listened. I said, okay. And, he, and she goes, one of the reasons why I love what you're doing, even though I, I'm not into guns, she's like, I was that close because I didn't want to tell anybody I needed help because I didn't want to lose my job. Hmm. So she's like, when I, when I heard your stance on that, she's like, it spoke to me because she's like, I've been there. I've been that girl. Right. Mm -hmm. So we end up having this great conversation. I end up going home. I'm like, wow, this is, that's, that's, that's wild that it touched a, a person that's not, you know, a fan of, of firearms. Right. And, uh, I was trying to, I was tr going down my, my Rolodex of people that I have in the industry that I want to support me. And I ended up talking to this, uh, YouTuber kind of media guy who had, you know, served a couple tours. Um, you know, he's, he's got, a pretty big name for himself in the industry. And I was telling him about the concept. And as soon as I finished, he, he paused and he goes, Mike, I'm going to tell you something that I've never told anybody else in the industry. And he goes, but when I got back from Afghanistan, I had PTSD really, really bad. He said, but if I didn't have access to my firearm and the range, he goes, I wouldn't be here today to tell you this story. And I got chills. Wow. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like somebody just said that to me earlier who's not into guns. Wow. You know, so I was like, I'm on to something. I, I, I know it. I, I'm on to something, you know, like this, it speaks to everybody. It speaks to everybody that hears it. So that was kind of a cool experience. And, you know, of course, that, that gave me a lot of fuel to just keep going. 
Um, because you don't have to be a, a Second Amendment gun person. You just be a person that, that understands the concept. Well, and I, th- oh, I, I get it. Yeah, and I think what it speaks to is that both can coexist. You can, yes. you can, you can own guns, and you can be sick, and you can recover, and you don't have to kill yourself or anybody else. It, it all coexists. We don't need two sides. In fact, having two sides is probably pretty destructive to most dialogue, um, especially if I think on a federal level what's going on right now with our our Congress and, and the president. Like like nobody's getting along because they've just rooted themselves in, you know, uh, hunkered down and are just lobbing grenades, you know, ideological political grenades at each other. Um, so I think having, having the infusion of a, of a middle path or a middle ground is crucial to dialogue. That's going to be productive and forward moving. Um, I do want to talk about the programs cause we're, we're hitting about the two thirds point in the show. And, um, and I want you to talk about the programs, but I also, before we get into that, cause I don't, I don't necessarily know that this is one of the programs. Are you aware or is WTTA a part of the, the push to collect data on, uh, firearm related, uh, deaths in a, in a, in an objective fashion? Like I know that there's been, uh, some, some bills proposed, uh, by both sides, apparently, I hate that there's two sides, but there's been some bills proposed that say um, that the Centers for Disease Control start to collect data to see if this is a public health crisis. And then maybe we can get some correlative data that suggests it does or does not have anything to do with uh, mental illness. Um, but but apparently neither side wants to advance that cause because if the data shake out in a certain way, it could invalidate one side or the other. And then, you know, suddenly political losses occur. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of information. It sounds like you are too. And I'm just wondering if you guys are a part of that. No, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because we, we focus on the things that we can control and do. Um, you know, I'd say that there's some very open-minded people, part of the organization, but so like, let me kind of just like attach that to just me personally. Right. Mm-hmm. When I first got into the industry, uh, the industry and people were saying, you know, I had people say to me like, yeah, they, they blocked the CDC from gathering information. I was like, oh, that's odd. You know, let me ask some more questions and find out like what people's hangups are. Now, what the hangups are, I'm not here to judge if they're correct or right, wrong, whatever, right? I, I, I just take it in because I'm a big perception is reality guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's, that's just the way I see it. Like I tell people that all the time. It doesn't matter if you think you're right. That's their perception. Yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you either try to do something about it or you double down. It's up to you. But, um, you know, one of the things that I did learn and just kind of gathering information and talking to people is like, why, why do you have a problem with that? Well, you know, a lot of people will say, I have a problem with, I don't know who's doing any of the research. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that's fair that's point that they say that that scares you. Cause if it's somebody that is anti gun, yeah, they may have I'm an sure. agenda or collect it, you know, poorly right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things that, you know, I would say we're not here to do that. That's not what our goal is. There's so many things that need to be done. I, you know, we try to stay out of any legislation and any kind of data talk. Like we take concrete data that makes sense. Uh, we're not opposed to looking at that stuff. But, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. You know, when I first got involved with mental health, here I am thinking I'm going to be Superman and stop every mass shooting, right? Just yeah, like, that'd be nice. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure out why the mental health community wasn't like cheering me on. Like they, and it wasn't that they were like, yeah, man, 
you know, whatever. It was more like, yeah, it's like kind of finding a needle in a haystack. I couldn't understand it, right? I was like, wait, 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 what, what? And they're like, they're like focus on suicide. And I'm like, no, no, I want to focus on everything. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's great, but focus on suicide. And like somebody framed it up for me perfectly one day. They're just like, listen, you need to understand something. That October 1, there was 59 deaths, I believe, right, from mm-hmm. the shooter. And he's like, every day somebody dies from uh, suicide by firearm, you know, 58 times. So we have an October one every, every day. day. <laughs> so you know that that's kind of like and a twenty to the twenty two of those yeah. are veterans, from what I gather. Uh, there's a there's a website. It's a twenty twenty two twenty two a day twenty two a day yeah. is the site. Yeah, yeah. Our, yeah. our veteran deaths. Yeah, you know it, it's so for me. You know it was kind of one of those things where I was like wow, here's the people that I thought were super into the mat. You know, nobody wants to see anybody pass away. I mean, unless you're some, I don't even know what the word is for it, but you know, that's the thing is like, I had to switch my focus. I had to realize like, they're telling me this for a reason. It's not that they don't care about school shootings or mass shootings. Mm -hmm. It's just, they understand there's a bigger problem that if you focus here, I think you're going to see a lot of success. Right. You know, so that you know that was kind of an experience that that really opened my eyes to things i try to stay out and and as an organization we're trying to stay out of anything that's considered controversial you know like Mm -hmm. that's that's really not what we're here for we're here for check it at the door man like no identity politics it doesn't matter what you care about and you're passionate about we're here to just do one thing is like mitigate trauma save lives develop programs and policies for us that make sense that everybody can get behind, even if you're anti-gun. So what are, sense? so what are some of those programs? Let's, let's get into the program, the, the programmatic aspects of, of walk the talk America. Okay. So one of the things that we're, we're, we, when we first started out, we started doing the SOS kits around the, uh, like Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, the school district. So we, we, we chip in to, different policies that we that make sense to us, right? So we sit down, we make decisions, we go, these SOS kits, and you can go on the website. That's and see sign, that signs of suicide you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, those type of things that help for, like, middle school and high school for teachers to recognize certain things. Yeah, and for, like, and for, for those who don't understand uh, or, or haven't, been exper- uh, haven't had the experience of it, SOS, Signs of Suicide, is a program where uh, students get screened at various uh, points in their um, schooling uh, career and then and then there are these kits that go out to the the teachers and the and the school administration. You can explain that. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can probably <laughs> explain it much better than I can because now we're we're talking into the mental health yeah. stuff. But long and short of it, just to kind of move through it is these are the policies and programs that I'm talking about that just make sense. It's like why not, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Or early identification, intervention, that kind of yes. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then we moved on to doing uh, things like, so there's screenings, right, from from for from Mental Health America that have these. You can go on their site and take a free and anonymous screening. And the re, and I got the idea to kind of do this from my daughter. She's 11 years old. One day she comes into uh, into my room. She's like, "Hey, Dad, I, I think I suffer from anxiety." And you know, I'm in this position now where I'm like, well, that's a serious thing that she just shared with me. 
you know, in my family. And thank God she shared it with you and not, you know, somebody online who's going to, you know, tease her about it. Right. And, 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 you know, it's kind of a, you know, for me, like I came from an Italian family from New Jersey. If I would have said, I think I suffer from anxiety, they would have said, I'll give you something to have anxiety about. Yeah. Yep. 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 I remember (laughs) that from my Italian family also. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you can appreciate it, right? So it's one of those things where I said to her, look, daddy works with Mental Health America. It's that organization that daddy's always talking about on every show and everything like that, you know, because they're part of this now because they see me do everything and they see me spend the hours that I put into this organization. And I said, you should go on there and take one of these screenings. And she goes, okay. I said, honey, just go on there and, and answer it. Honestly, do not, no one's judging you. No one's going to show up at the tour. You know, there's, you're not getting graded on this. And let me interrupt real quick, Mike, for, for parents who are listening to this as a clinician, as a family therapist, I would say that is a perfect way to handle that. Now, obviously, I think you can make it a little more perfect by do you know maybe like asking her to share it with you, and I hope that's where you're going with this. But if you're listening and you're you're like, what do I do as a parent if my kid comes to me with this problem, or maybe you you suspect it and you don't know how to broach the conversation? Be honest, be compassionate, and create a, a space where they're safe enough to share that. So high five to you. I can't do that through the phone, but like yeah, high, no, no, high I, five I to you for it. that. I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, I, you know, you always. When you have children, you always want to make sure you you think you're doing the right thing and you hope you execute on it, you know. But um, so so to end that story, uh, which is kind of cool. Three days later, she's in my you know comes in. I have an office in there, and she she hands me something, walks out, and sign this. Then she looks at me on the way out, and she's like, "Oh yeah, forgot to tell you, I took the uh, I took out a test for the MHA, you know, MHA." And I'm like, "Yeah." So what what did it say? And she smiled. And she goes, I only have mild anxiety. <laughs> nice. And I said, that's, that's a good thing, right? And she goes, because I'm like, I don't know what, you know, what her thought process yeah, is. Yeah, right. And she goes, oh, yeah, I feel a lot better now. And I said, okay, cool. I said, hey, did you see that, the ways that you can mitigate that, like bring that down? And she goes, oh, yeah, I read everything on it. That's and awesome. She, yeah, she walks out of the room. And I'm like how do I recreate that? I got an 11 year old now that's going to probably pass that information on to some other kid. That yeah. Maybe opens, right. That's so great. The ripple effect, man, you don't, you never know where that goes. And, and, well, and, and quite honestly, like just being able to normalize the conversation and have her wrap her arms around it. So she doesn't think she's weird. You know, that's that in and of itself is a victory, you know? So there, and there is, and for the listening audience, there is such a thing as healthy anxiety. That's, that's the stuff that helps us motivate for tests and competitions. And you know, that kind of, it's like, I don't, I don't want to fail. Like that's, that's a fear. It's rooted in fear. And some, some fear is good. It, it's, it propels us, uh, when it gets, you know, life interfering and crippling, that's when it's bad. <laughs> good, right, good for right. you. So, so she ends up walking out there and I'm like, how do I, how, I could create a little group of army, you know, soldiers with this. If I could figure out a way to make it, normal or just at least give it to people that maybe they take a look at it so i I created these bands um they're kind of like the live strong bands yeah um you know and and basically i had called up mental health america and they were already integrating their system into our website so i i said is there any way that i could shorten that so if you go to wtta.org for walk to talk america.org you can still get to our website. So I basically created these bands that say uh, WTT or for free and anonymous mental health screening, go to WTTA.org forward slash love. And 
we, I was working with Nevada Coalition for Suicide Prevention. Great and, people, by the way. Great people. Yes, Richard Egan is awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Jeanette, um, but, yep. But, but I, you know, so here we are with these bands. I bring them to Richard, and Richard's like, dude, we can get these in the schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's what I want to hear. So, you know, we've gotten them into school systems, uh, but also inside of the Second Amendment community, you know, these things it's kind of taken a little life of its own. Like what's great about it is people, you know, we give them away with a free as a free gift with a donation on the site. Um, we pass them out at shows. And what's kind of cool. If you go to our Instagram page, which is at walk the talk us, people will submit their photos wearing them. So it's been kind of this little neat movement, you know, um, raising awareness and getting people to wear it and talk about it. And what I love mm-hmm. about it is let's say you, Let's say you, you're in a family where you, you know, you're in my family. You couldn't talk about those things or, you know, that was part of the problem is, is your, your elders and your peers that you, you couldn't get away with it. Well, this is free and anonymous. You can right. just go take it on your own time, you and, know, like. And I think the really cool part, and, you know, some of my clinician friends might uh, abhor me saying this because there's a certain uh, professional identity that is associated with a little bit of elitism uh, that says that, you know, we're the only ones who know how to do what we do and, um, and and you have to have a master's degree and you got to be licensed and all that stuff. And that's just simply not true. Like there's lots of different intervention strategies that will help people alleviate their stress and their struggles with all sorts of things. Uh, as simple as reading a book or listening to a podcast or doing a relaxation technique. And it doesn't necessarily have to level up to a referral to the guy who can bill your insurance and diagnose you and treat you once a week for an hour at a time for, you know, six months on end like that's that's like a much higher level of care it exists i do that i run an agency that does that but but it's not necessary and almost i mean like way more cases than you would ever suspect but the first key is getting to that point where you can acknowledge that you need some help and it does and i don't mean professional level help where you make an appointment with me or my team at zephyr it's just I need some help. I don't know where to go. And okay, maybe the first step is just go have a beer or go to the shooting range. Don't take a beer to the shooting range. They frown on that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> especially if it's a glass bottle, no glass in the desert. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's being able to c- cut through that. And, and you say stigma and it's one of my least favorite words because, uh, Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I'll just repeat it. Cause I, I like repeating myself and I like hearing my own voice, but, um, <laughs> If we say destigmatize, um, then what the brain does is it catches the stigma and not the D. Uh, so it doesn't, it, we don't process the, the thing not to do. We just process the thing. And so all we do is we keep repeating stigma, stigma, stigma. So what I would like to do is, you know, my long-term 30 year career is to make mental health treatment cool. Uh, you know, as cool as physical health and physical maintenance. And, you know, nobody has uh, a second thought about posting a, a selfie of their CrossFit routine on Instagram, but we do have a, a hesitation about posting, you know, a lobby shot in, you know, Zephyr Wellness's waiting room about, you know, getting your anxiety uh, fixed. And so, uh, like, my goal would be to have everybody just out themselves and be like, hey, I'm getting help. And we've done that with cancer. We've done it with AIDS. Why can't we do it with mental illness? So that's, I mean, anything that, that helps to contribute to that conversation, I'm all about it. Yeah, it was, uh, for me, it's one of the things that people, and I tell this to people all the time, I tell it to my daughters, I said, back in the day, before I, I knew I was in this, and I lived it, and it's become a thing, like, it's become a second job, like, almost a family member, right? Like, uh, 
I used to, when people would share something with me that was personal, like say, they say, oh, I battle from schizophrenia. My first reaction was, okay, that's too much information. I got to try to change the subject or get away, right? Mm-hmm. I have made it a point, and this is what I tell everybody. When someone shares the information with you, applaud them. Like, Absolutely. Just, you know, be like, thank you for being brave enough to share that. And thank you for trusting me with it. Like, that's a huge honor, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, that, you know, if you want to see me come off of a bar stool and applaud somebody is when they, like, a bartender says, oh, yeah, I suffer from this. And I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad. And I always tell them, you're helping breaking down those, those, you know, it's a taboo to talk about that stuff, you know. And that's what's gotten a lot of people in trouble, right? Like, that's that's when you hit that stage four is when you hide it and you're, can't talk about it yeah and hopefully hopefully we can bust through the institutional stigmas like with first responders with uh corporate entities and uh, i was having a conversation with somebody recently who suggested you know if osha suddenly declared that anxiety was a workplace hazard how would the company respond and i thought that was an incredibly powerful proposition you know, if, if this governmental agency responsible for workplace safety suddenly declared that, you know, anxiety or fill in the blank with your favorite diagnosis was suddenly a workplace hazard, how would the company respond to that? And I was like, that's, I was speechless. I said, yeah, we, that's exactly how we need to think. And every, every business needs to think like that. And every governmental organization needs to think like that. Um, think of yeah. mental illness as a, as a workplace hazard and then go proactively respond to it and stop judging people for it. Yeah, that's one of the, you know, so my CFO of Eagle Imports, which is, you know, the firearms company, um, we, ha- we had that discussion because she's on my board and she was one of the first people. Her name is Maria Kernosovic. And we, we, we had this discussion where, you know, we were sitting there talking about, because we had trauma in Eagle Imports. We had a president and a friend, and he was the president of the company before me, uh, to, you know, took his own life. Like it, it was uh-huh. something that was really hard on us. Um, and it, we never really, we, we talk about it this day and we're like, we never really addressed it. We just kept moving. We all addressed it in our own way. Mm. And it, you know, brought us on, it, it kind of to jump to, you know, in June, we're having this conversation about walk, talk America. And we both agreed, you know, you're, you're in your office or, you know, if you work over at T-Mobile and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to throw up, I feel sick. What does everybody say? They're like, go, go home. home. Take yeah, care of yourself. Yeah. Don't get everybody sick here. But if you stand up and you say, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack if I stop moving. I have to go outside. They're going to be like, get your ass back in yeah, your chair. Work needs to be done, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, it, it, and it's an easy concept. And I think that that's where everybody, you know, that, that battles or, or deals with it. It's like, that's that explains a lot. Right. Explains why some people couldn't do it. Everyone says, well, if I had that money, I would have never done that, you know, or Mm -hmm. I would never squander that opportunity because you don't suffer from what that person suffers from. (laughs) Yeah. And and there's there's a lot of celebrity deaths that we can point to that you say, well, they seem they appeared to have had everything. And we're looking at through at sorry, we're looking at it through materialistic. Uh, consumer-driven eyes, where uh, allegedly happiness is driven s- exclusively by material possessions, and you know the competition to outdo each other. In fact, I just I just put together a, a YouTube video on why you shouldn't pursue happiness. 
Um, so if you're listening and you want to check out the YouTube channel, it's the Zephyr Wellness YouTube channel. Shameless plug. Um, but um, but the the idea is that, um, and, I, and I get this from uh, Yield Theory, which is from a, a good friend and mentor of mine, Christian Conti. Um, I've mentioned him on the pod, podcast, and he's I've interviewed him before too, uh, christianconti.com. Uh, he's got an excellent YouTube channel too, but but he developed this yield theory where what you do is you you take what's in our field called a phenomenological perspective, meaning you you see through other people's eyes, right? But you take it to a, a completely different a level of magnitude or order of magnitude beyond that, where you become that person with all their affective fun, uh, range, their cognitive functioning, their life experiences, their upbringing, uh, everything. And if you were that person you would do exactly as they do. And there is no judgment. It alleviates a lot of judgment because there's no room for it because now you're that person. There is no, if I were you, I would. Because if you were that person, you would do exactly as they do. And so what it does is allows us to, even though we can never fully get there, we can try to imagine what it's like to be that person. And all the areas that we don't know we don't get to mentally fill in the blanks with our own experiences. And I think that's where the, the mistake gets made is we say, well, I know Mike and he's, you know, he's on top of the world. And he's got this wife and these kids and this company and he's doing all these things. He's setting the world on fire. Um, why would he, you know, engage in self-harm or, you know, uh, con- consider suicide or all that stuff? Well, it's because if I were him, it makes complete sense to me. And we can extrapolate that to all sorts of uh nefarious behaviors as well as um philanthropic endeavors and and great great accomplishments um so and and the really cool part about this this theory this yield theory is that um it it's predicated on the idea that human nature is universal so if a human has done something it is therefore human nature and we being humans possess that very same nature therefore we ourselves are fully capable of of doing all those things that we either don't want to acknowledge or don't think we're capable of. And so that really starts to alleviate a lot of judgment when you start seeing yourself in somebody else's behaviors. And I think that's what creates a lot of connectivity among humans too, is that when we start, you know, getting to know each other and seeing ourselves in each other's behavior and go, wow, I'm, I'm just as capable of that for good and for bad. Then we can validate, then we can be there for each other. We don't have to make it weird. We can say, yeah, if this makes sense to me, if you're, if I were you, even though I don't have all the information, it would make sense to me that you're experiencing this thing and I don't have to understand. All I got to do is be there for you. And, and I think that's, that's the path that's really beneficial to most people is just, just be present, you know, just be there for them and, and don't try to make sense of it all. Don't try to riddle it through. Cause you, cause you can't, cause you're not them. You'll never, you'll never have all the information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean that, that I've, I've always applied that to breakups too with people. Right. Cause I'm like, they don't, people don't necessarily want to hear, well, screw her, go out, live your life. Da, da, da. Sometimes they just want to talk about how bad this thing got. Right. Or, right. You know, so it's, uh, you know, you always got to be delicate, but one thing I, I definitely want to do just so I don't run out of time here. And I stop on those two little things that I told you that Walker talks about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should probably yeah, include those. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to make I want, I want to hit on some of the other things we're doing. Um, one of them, and these are these are two that are really important to me, uh, or three actually. I should say three. Uh, Gun Vault, which is a company out of Las Vegas that make a lot of safes, um, you know, for firearms, uh, quick quick access safes. But they're all about safety. They're all about you know they know means matter, all that stuff. Um, 
you know, I work with them hand in hand. I've worked with them with Nevada Coalition for Suicide Prevention, but also, too, I'm working with them on a national program that we're rolling out. It's the Walk the Talk America Range Program that we're doing in uh, partnering with Mental Health America. Um, and what was kind of cool is we, uh, we announced it at SHOT Show. For those of you listening at home that don't know what SHOT Show is, SHOT Show is the largest gun uh, show uh, pretty much on the planet. Um, and it takes place mm-hmm. every January in Vegas. Uh, the NSSF, National Shooting uh, Sports Foundation, uh, who run the whole SHOT Show deal, uh, they donated a booth to Walk the Talk America this year. And for the first time in history, we had Mental Health America manning the booth with Nevada Coalition of Suicide Prevention, plus board members from Walk the Talk America. So we, li- we, we, we brought a whole different demographic to the SHOT Show. That's um, great. That's so awesome. Yeah, and it was really it was really great. But back to the program, the program that we're launching is a range program, um, and this idea came about uh, from a man named Rob Pinkus, who's a board member of mine, who's also an instructor, working with uh, Debbie Plotnick, who's the vice president of Mental Health America, and we decided that we need safe spaces to go for people to turn their firearms. Um, so mm. we we got a bunch of ranges and 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 gun stores that part that want to participate where basically you can go and drop off your firearms in a time of crisis or a loved one's time of crisis no questions asked until you're feeling better or that person's better and you feel like you can come back and get them um it's real important for us to create safe you know i call them safe spaces where people can go where you know, especially on in the firearms community where we don't necessarily trust the government to make the decisions for us. Right. right. Um, it gives us an opportunity to kind of police our own, uh, police ourselves and just say, hey, look, we'll check them in for you. And, you know, you may need some time. Take that time. Get better. Um, and it's it, it's been it's been it's been amazing. The response has been incredible. There's so many people that are coming out from this to a community being I love this. I love this idea. Um, because it just shows that we're responsible. We could do these things. Um, but another thing that came out of this program, like developing this program, is that I was talking at a, I was speaking at a, a function uh, that was in Denver called Denver Gun Days, and I was the mental health guy. And I didn't, even, they kind of threw me in there, and I didn't realize that I was on the spot. But um, on my way to the airport, I was talking to the Uber driver about what I was doing there. And you ever want to kind of like, see or you know a creepy scenarios he actually pulled the car over on the highway (laughs) (laughs) turned around and and said god has put you in this uber for a reason and i was like okay (laughs) he was like let me tell you something he goes um i he he had he suffers from lyme disease and at the time i didn't realize that lyme disease attacks your brain right and um, hmm. There's a lot of people that mistake mental illness, and it's really Lyme disease, and they don't know. Um, and these are things that he was telling me, of course. Wow. Uh, he, he came up with this idea because he's like, yeah, I have firearms in the house. He's like, when my wife sees me having an episode, you know, she knows. And, and she has the authority to remove the firearms from the house. So she'll do it. She's like, and it usually lasts about four or five days. But she knows me that well. Wow. And I was like, Damn, that's a crazy story. So I was like, that's, that's really neat. You know, I said, so we, I get on the airplane and I'm thinking, I end up going to, over to uh, Gunball and having lunch with Mike Baker, who's one of the executives there. And I was telling him about that story. And I said, 
is there any way that you could lock a safe from the inside? Like if you had that arrangement with like maybe from an app or something like with your wife or your, you know, your husband or whatever. He said, well, let me think about it. Cause that's a really good idea. Yeah. And, wow. And so we came up with this and, you know, like I said, walk, I, I like to think that it's a walk to talk America gun vault program, even though gun vault has the product. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he built that technology. And so they're releasing safes now. They're going to be releasing safe shortly that if you can set, and they call it a, a, a sleep mode, right? Wow. So you can, it could be dual function. You could use it as if you and your wife decide to go, you know, you leave your teenagers home and you decide to go to Hawaii for a week and you just want to lock it up to make Change sure nobody gets Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, but the other thing too is like, so let's say you're, you know, your wife battles depression and when she gets in that funk, you know, you know it's a four or five day thing. Boom, lock that thing up. You can't get it. The only way you're getting a gun out from there is from the inside. Wow. You know? So that's that's something like I'm super proud of because, you know, not everybody can make it to a, a you know, we talked about location earlier, right? Uh, when we were talking, you know, before we got on this the show, we were talking about location, and sometimes people don't have access to go to a range where they're participating in the Walk to Talk America Safe Space program, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe this will help. You know, my son's not feeling so good. He's going to lock this thing up for three weeks until we figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That it's, I mean, it's, it's really, I, I mean, the, the Zephyr wellness tagline is innovative and philanthropic and I, and you're doing both with this thing. And, um, and, and I love the innovation part. That's really, really cool. Did you, did you say something earlier? Maybe I, I just mentally filled that in, uh, about, uh, educational programs too, or um, is that what WTTA is doing at all? Like gun well, safety and that kind of thing, just broadening the the conversation outside of the typical, you know, hunter safety, NRA training, you know, gun range stuff. Yeah, I mean, we, we're doing that on a daily basis, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, Rob, you know, I had mentioned Rob Pincus. He actually is a, a firearms instructor and he's well known. Um, and he is my board member. and He's one of the more active uh Walk to Talk America members in terms of besides myself being out there doing media, Rob does like today who's speaking at wake forest right we are we're in we're big on responsibility gun safety and we're also big on it coming from within the the community right Mm -hmm. because our belief is let's get ahead of this like kind of like the alcohol industry did with drunk driving like let's let's get ahead of this show that we're responsible Mm -hmm. um for the most part we all are right like it would be utter chaos if there was a lot of people that were irresponsible with the firearm out there but um yeah well it wouldn't it wouldn't be news because it would just be the thing right (laughs) exactly no so that's that's one of the things that we do are you know we like i'll give you an example um i was just in dc at a walk to talk america function um i probably once again, it wasn't my look. It wasn't my dynamic personality. It was me being there for people to ask questions for. So I had all these people lining up that are, you know, either just they don't have an opinion on guns or they're anti-gun and they wanted to ask me questions, mm-hmm. which I'm like, let's go. I love talking about this stuff because I learned, you know, just that's why I like when you start talking about something, I just start listening because I take this up like a sponge, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, look, you know more about this stuff than I do. I'm just learning it. But, um, <laughs> You know, and then when I go to, like, I went to, I spoke at an event that was put on by MHA in Kentucky. Like, to me, what I'm doing there is teaching also, you know, people that are like, well, I, I, I've never even thought about it this way. So we're, we're doing that constantly. Education, education, safety, outreach is huge mm-hmm. with us. Um, but, 
Well, you and I just need to tour the country together with what needs to happen. We'll just, you know, if people come up with their mental health questions and I'll answer them. If people come up with their gun questions, you can answer them. Yeah, man, I'm ready. When are you <laughs> are? But th- let me tell you about one more thing I'm super proud of. Please and do. I think this is, this is big. Um, we're, at this point, we're, we're, I mean, we're just going to split the show into a couple of half hour, 40 minute segments anyway. Because um, one thing, I don't know if you're aware of it, uh, we, we're broadcast on Dash Radio and uh, yeah. they limited us to an hour on that platform on ours we'll just you know do the whole thing all in one shot but uh we'll just split it for for dash so just keep talking don't even worry about it okay yeah i'm telling you i i do this a lot with a lot of the podcasts i go on they're like that was the longest show i've ever had and i'm like yeah that's what happens when you don't have me in a structured format so yeah (laughs) you know um but yeah so the uh so one of the things that i'm excited about is i eagle imports brings in anywhere between 50 to 80,000 firearms a year. Like that's what we sell. Um, we're one of the smaller gun companies. And I know that wow. I've said that that statistic or, you know, that fact in front of, you know, the people at Mental Health America, I've seen some people gulp. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what, what do you think Glock does? What do you think Smith and Wesson does? What do you think Ruger does? They all do a million plus a year. So if you start looking at the numbers, like how many firearms are actually out there, you kind of realize it's not as bad as what people think, right? What the yeah. media tries to play it up on. But I do agree that, you know, the 2A community, the Second Amendment community can can do some things. We can be proactive. Like, that's what this whole podcast has been about, right? Talking about this stuff. But um, I made the initiative to become the first firearms uh, importer or firearm company. And I, I met with my manufacturers and told them this is what i want to do we have a little sort of uh you know six by four and a half flyer um which you can see if you go to any of our social medias that you know at walk the talk us that we're putting inside the box of every firearm um and the goal is wow cool yeah if you see this flyer um the front says, please do not throw out, keep this card. And then it says mental health. It's okay to talk about it. Everyone has it. Some might need help with it. Walk Talk America is with you. Then it gives the URL for the screening that we, we talked about earlier, the one that's on the band that we have in the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the backside is just another, you know, there's just some more information on there. But the, the thing is, is I, even if someone throws it out, they're going to read it because it's right there on the top. Mm-hmm. And I want that to burn in their brain mental health but you know one of the things is uh within the next two years i I plan to have this in every firearms box in the united states that's sold i'm glad you Um, answered that question because that's what i was going to ask is how's your how's your uh conversation going i know you're only several months into this um but how's it going with those bigger the bigger boys you know the 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 rugers the the smith and wessons the remingtons the um you know the glocks it sounds like Uh, you're you're making progress huh yeah, it's going great. I, to be honest with you, you know, because there was a lot of that. I had a lot of friends that were like, "So, like, are you going to get yourself kicked out of the community?" You know, it's <laughs> just like, you know, you never know, right? But I think, you know, as I go back and, and like we talked about earlier, there's so many logical leaders in this industry. Chris Colloy from Ruger. I mean, he's he's you know, I consider him a friend. Like, he's cool. Like, we mm-hmm. talk, we have these discussions. I think. For me, it's important, and this is why I've never really pushed a lot of people to get involved. Or I, I needed to show the community that I was going to put my money where my mouth was first, right? So I was the one who committed to a dollar a firearm for Eagle Imports firearms. Um, it was important for me to say, look, I'm not just asking you for your money. I'm showing You're you. You're doing it. 
whatever you give, I've done it too. Um, I want to be the first person to put the card in the box to show you it's okay. You know what I mean? Well, it shows, it shows, it demonstrates, you know, what, what in research they'd call a proof of concept, you know, um, or, or in, in business, you know, like prove the concept on a small scale, then we'll talk about scaling up and, and, and you've proved it. You've proven it that that it's not. It doesn't drive people away. Um, you're you're growing. I imagine your your own popularity is probably. I mean, your company's yours probably as well, but has probably improved because of this. Um, because it, like I said earlier, like truth resonates with people. It just makes sense. And and when things make sense, they don't need explanation because it you know it, it digests and um, it just. Uh, yeah okay yeah why didn't we do that 20 years ago <laughs> okay well let's yeah. do it now who cares why we didn't but let's do it now yeah i've had some great like it, it like i said to me it, it's it's playing like a movie in some sort of a sense because i have people that i have manufacturers that are considered my competition that have said we want to be involved and i was like please you know i at whatever way because i don't like to put restrictions on anyone if you have it you can give it to me if you don't i get it or maybe you can give me something in another way right so we have companies that have been involved that like somebody handed our did our legal for free somebody yeah. did uh our web hosting for free somebody built my website they do, that's what they donated their in kind donation right but then i have companies like armscore and gunball armscore is a, a direct competitor of mine Armscore came on and said, we want to be involved. And, you know, I gave them my word. I said, absolutely. You know, I want you, I want people to know if you don't buy one of my firearms for it, then you're buying an Armscore. Please support yeah. them because they support uh, mental health awareness. And they support I, I love that. a better America. That's so great. I mean, I just, I, I, that's so great. I just got such a, a chill from that because it reminds me of what we try to do with Zephyr. Like we're not, we're not interested in competing. Like there's enough hurt to go around, man. Like, <laughs> Like yeah. all, all I want to do is live in a healthy society, and if and if if I have to go out of business for it because you do it better than I do, that's great. I don't have to see you know couples yelling at each other in the grocery store. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really care. Like I just I just want people healthy, and I love that attitude. You're like, yeah, come on board. Like technically we're in competition in the marketplace, but but together, you know, we're we're together in this other thing, which is just helping people heal. And it that's just really warms my heart. It's nice to hear that there's other people out there. No, no, thank you. And that's awesome that you have that same philosophy, right? Because like that, that means that I think we're doing something right. Like, yeah. Right. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe in, but the karma police that in my world, the karma police has got to, it's got to come back, you know? And that's, right. you know, that's what I'm here for. And people always ask me, what's your end game with this? I'm like, I don't even know. I'll take it to, I'll take it as far as I can go. I'll keep going. And then, you know, I'll try to leave a legacy maybe for my daughters to continue it. But one day I'm like you one day I want, cause I don't calculus did nothing for me. I promise you that. <laughs> right. I, I would have much rather have taken mental health class. Yeah. Like yeah, I would have I would rather have taken mental health class. Like I did PE all my life. And, and, and let's throw out something that unless you're specializing in it, you, you know, like mm -hmm. that's to me was important. And that's what I wanted to be. I tell people all the time, I want it to be like, you know, if my if you watch my daughters get in their car, I don't have to tell them to put a seatbelt on. Somehow, mm -hmm. they they made it there, right? Like now, that's just normal. That's a normal reaction. Um, you know, for me, that's how I want mental health to be. I want it to be talked about like it's not a big deal. Right. Like, yeah, you didn't understand. Like back in the day, like it was taboo to talk about. Really? Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> you know? totally. And it, yeah. and and the and the method by which we get there is not proprietary. It's, right. it's not something to be fought over. Um, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, you, 
I think I heard you say, you know, I, I don't know where this is going, but I think you said it much earlier in the podcast where you said you want people to stop, you know, being traumatized and stop dying, like, you know, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, yeah, let's, let's diminish the trauma and let's diminish death. Like there shouldn't be, you know, accidental shootings. There shouldn't be people taking their lives with guns. There shouldn't be, you know, homicides. Um, so uh, where, where's, where does that come from? Well, people who, you know, are negligent, well, you know, sometimes accidents happen, but that's a, that's a mental status issue. And I'm not saying you need master's level treatment for it, but it's like, just pay attention, man. Like you're not paying attention if you're harming people by accidental discharges and for people taking their own lives, they're clearly in a state of, of distress that warrants, uh, an intervention, you know, such that they, they think the death is the best exit like that's not that's 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 not acceptable we we need to we need to make make sure that those folks are you know allowed to come out and and seek help and then and then those who commit homicides like there's some serious mental illness with somebody who wants to take another life just because like can we not talk (laughs) let's let's talk let's resolve our problems and yes i'm talking about gangbangers in the inner city like there's some serious distress in those cultures that you know believe that it's it's op uh, it's an option to go you know resolve your problems with a with a gun like that's that's not acceptable let's let's find a different way man and uh and i think i think that this is at least one option to to help reconcile a lot of that stuff so i'm i'm proud of you this is really cool i'm i'm glad we had i'm glad we connected no i yeah so am i trust me because i need all the help i love that you this is your space, right? So, uh, you know, besides Mental Health America bringing me into the fold and, and some speaking engagements, because, you know, I, I could tell they were kind of like, we got to dip our toe in this because, you know, you're, you're the gun guy, right? When I showed up at their doorstep, at their, their function in, in L.A., after they saw my email, I had walked up. I was the first person there, and it just so happened that the vice president of, of Mental Health America was sitting out front at the desk where you check in. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, I walked up, I was super early and I was with my CFO, Maria, I talked about her early in the show mm-hmm. and, I, and they said, uh, hi, who are you? And you're here early. And I was like, sorry, we didn't want to be late. And I said, uh, we're the gun people. And they, they kind of looked at me, we didn't think you'd show up. Oh and, man, that's so disappointing. No, I, but no, listen, they, that was it though. Once I was there. They just thought I wouldn't, wasn't going to show up. They just right. were like, hey, yeah, you know, like, hey. Yeah, I thought it was bravado or, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so they bought me. Wow. So they were open arms. Like, they were, like, excited. They're like, this is awesome. Like, you're here. And then, you know, I <laughs> end up in, you know, cut two. And two weeks later, I'm in Denver with Debbie. Uh, she just happened. I was speaking at an event. And she just happened to be there. Debbie's the vice president. right? Mm-hmm. And, and now we're rocking and rolling. Now we have, like, a, an amazing relationship. So, you know, it gets to that point where. I know that I'm going to be a hard uh, cup of tea for people to swallow, especially that are in the weeds of, of mental health. Right. Um, it's just two different cultures. Yeah. And I've had, I've had to learn to navigate through certain things, um, you know, language. I, and I'm still, I still work on that because one of my goals, one of the things I promised Debbie was I will work on my community's language so we stopped saying things like lunatic with a gun or crazy with a gun because mm-hmm. that was, that was important. Right. And it's great because, you know, when I first started, I would, I would almost say it. And then I was like, I'd catch myself. Right. And, but now I have my friends and peers in the industry. They're like, you know, one thing that you really screwed me up on 
and they're like, I'll be on this show or I'll be talking and I'll catch myself and I'll like slap myself on the hand. Like, don't say that. That's not helping. <laughs> you that's know? Like, great. You know, and that's what's kind of cool is like we're learning about each other. We're learning the two communities are coming together. The mental health community, the firearms industry are coming together and we're, we're learning. And just like having Debbie, and sorry, I'm going to go off here. I know I'm like, please rambling, do. But no, 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 just, no. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Just, just like having Debbie at, at um, SHOT Show. It was awesome because she she's so open-minded, but she would be the first one to tell you, I don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm learning this stuff. I just know that something needs to be done, right? So she's there. She gets to see everybody in my community that's responsible. If you ever go to a gun show, and this is what I try to tell everybody, come, you can come hang out with me if you want to experience it. I'll take you. I have a booth at the NRA show. I have a booth at Chacho, but she sat there and was ha- hearing, hearing people's stories, hearing people's fears, um, hearing, you know, we have a lot of vets that walk around the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's hearing all these stories, but then also, and this is what's cool about Richard Egan from Nevada Coalition for Suicide Prevention. He, he is an ex-military guy and he was a, a weapons explosives guy. Yeah. So he's super into the second amendment community, uh, firearms owner responsible, right? And when I met him, I was like, oh, my God, like you work in, in mental health and you work in suicide prevention. He's like a vampire that can turn into a werewolf, in my opinion, right? <laughs> we're, we're known as got, unicorns, I think. Yeah, <laughs> no, but he's got both, right? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about firearms? I got you. You want yeah. to talk about mental health and suicide? I have you. I got, yeah. I got you either way. That's what was awesome. So he's in the booth with Debbie the whole time. Now he's walking Debbie around. Hey, this is an AR. Like, this is the, the difference between semi-automatic, you know, and automatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this. This is that. He's teaching her everything. You know, don't think for one second. She didn't go back to D.C. where, you know, that's where their headquarters is at and said, that was really interesting. Whether she liked it or not. Right. She's way more educated now to talk about it. Because, you know, it kind of reminds me of when, you know, I, I, there's this clip that always stuck in my brain. And it was some lady bad-mouthing Obama and McCain said no ma'am no he's a good man like knock it off mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's what that's what I want I want people to educate other people like don't say something that you just heard from your own echo chamber and you're regurgitating that without doing your own research like embrace embrace it, it take a gun course even if you don't like it or go through the process of purchasing a firearm you, you know, know, like yeah, I I I want to I want to jump on that real quick because in our uh, community we are required to participate in continuing education uh, units uh, annually, and and it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. In Nevada, it's twenty if you're a licensee of of my board, and uh, they are supposed to be related to your your field, presumably. So something like uh, you know learning more about bipolar disorder, learning about a, a cognitive behavioral therapy intervention, or uh, learning something about the the transgender community and their struggles with uh, mental illness, or you know whatever it is. Yeah. And um, I, I don't. I just happen to be in a privileged enough position to say that I chair my licensing board right now, and I can probably drive some policy to make this happen. But um, I think it would be relevant to uh, encourage. You can't force them, but encourage our clinicians to. Uh, go attend a workshop on, um, you know, just simply understanding firearms, firearm safety, uh, gun violence broadly, suicide to, by gun, in order to broaden that scope so that we're not 
a culture of clinicians living in fear of the spooky unknown. Um, part of our ethic is to grow in areas where we are weak. And if, and if we only retreat to talking points as handed to us by people who don't know any different, then that is a weak area. That is a blind spot that needs to be addressed. And while you don't necessarily want to be jack of all trades, you definitely don't want to be a clinician who um, judges people unconsciously because they happen to be a gun owner and you're unfamiliar with what guns do or what they're about. So I think uh, you know a continuing education of guns related to mental health broadly could help my people and I think there's an opportunity there for your organization or just the two you know the two of us can talk you know offline about how we might put a program like that together with local shooting ranges and the the, the range safety officers and the and the instructors to specifically invite in uh, the mental health community, clinical social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, you know, behavioral health practitioners of all stripes, in order to facilitate this dialogue. And I think that's one great way to, to break down some of the walls of stigma, because I know that you know, gun people are stigmatized as well as those struggling with mental illness. And it's something uh-huh. you talked about on another show, and you, I'll, I'll let you launch into that if you want, because I'm sure that there's people listening to this right now who are like, what do you mean gun people are stigmatized? Come on! Um, but that's a real thing. And maybe, maybe I should just pause there and, and let you, you d- explain that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're stigmatized. Well, first of all, the, the big one lately, and this is, you know, I, I get it. I love the passion that some of these kids have, like, you know, the David Hoggs out there. Um, and that's, who, who's I, he? Always, I always try to reach out and try who, to say, who's like, David hey, Hogg? Can you, can you explain who that is? Uh, David Hogg is part of the, one of the Parkland um, students that was there the day oh, of okay. you know, the Parkland shooting. And he's kind of been pushed into the forefront as, you know, this, um, you know, it's escaping me right now, the, the name of the movement. But, um, you know, it's kind of a, it has an anti-gun feel and agenda to it. And that's the whole part. You know, it's a great part about Walk and Talk America because remember when I told you earlier, like, I love the fact that I could be like, check it at the door. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to play identity politics. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're just going to go by, by what we can do to save lives. We don't have to wait on legislation. We don't have to wait on any of that stuff. There are things we can do now, right? So every time they tweet something, I usually try to throw a tweet in there to say like, "Hey, look, I'm inviting you to come with me to actually do something instead of talk." Yeah, you know. Which, yeah. You know, so that's one of the things that that I love because there's this stigma on firearms owners. First of all, there is. There's one that's really interesting that a lot of people don't think of. Like, I get this all the time from me, and I'm just a gun, you know, I just own a gun company, and I own firearms. But people think I'm automatically a tough guy. Like, I'm, I'm some, like, just because I own a firearms company, like, don't mess with him, or he's strong, you like, know? Like Rambo like, or something, or? It, I, I've never been able to figure that out, but there there is this sense of if you own a firearm and you're like a super uh, 2A, you know, Second Amendment guy, that for some reason you're you're a tough guy. You're not supposed to show weakness, you know? Oh, and, that kind of tough guy. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, like it, it's hard enough, right? Like it, it's one of those weird things where it's like, no, I, I'm just into firearms. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm into baseball. Like, I, well, baseballs yeah. don't kill people. Well, you know, firearms kind of don't either. I mean, people get killed with baseballs at Dodger games if they're not paying attention. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And the, so that stigma as well, right? There's a stigma, too, that, you know, there's just all this irresponsibility there, 
like because you know sometimes when you're listening to somebody who's like probably from my cold dead hands right. you're like you're wondering like what is the scenario there like what does that mean but uh, most people that have their concealed <laughs> carry license right what is the like, scenario that's a good yeah, we never really stopped to think yeah we, we do, why would you be dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like it's it really is it's, it kind of blows me away it's it's a really strange saying you know what I mean like um, to classify anybody but you know most people that have their their concealed carry license I, I'd say the majority that I know like they won't even sell their fire a firearm to somebody unless they go do it through a store right where there's a, a background check yeah. like, they, huh. like there's so so much responsibility there's so much like I have something to lose and I'm not going to take a chance. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't hear about that. You hear about the knucklehead. You right. know, um, but there's so much stigma that is in my industry that you know, a we won't listen. Uh, a that's all we care about. Uh, you know, or b that's all we care about. C we're we're having a party every time there's a tragedy. Uh, which, yeah, fascinating. Nothing could be further from the truth. Well, I think I think what that does is, it, I mean, it just goes back to the labels, right? So we make everything binary in order to put somebody in a box, and then once they're in the box, we can pretend that we know all that there is to know about them based on whatever label we put on them. So whether it's a label of of race and how we understand that race, or it's a label of hobby and how we understand the hobby, or it's a label of um, you know profession and how we understand the profession. Now, now I can pretend that I don't need to know any more about the human being beneath all that. And in the process of doing so, what I've done is I've created an us versus them, uh, and I've and I've removed everything about me that could ever be like that person, and set it aside, and I've carved out a piece of myself such that now I've narrowed, and and I and I I don't gr- get to grow, and I don't get to to develop, and meanwhile I get to throw stones at this very complex, nuanced, uh, very deep person who just inadvertently has a label that I, I slapped on him for my own convenience. And, and there's many ways I can illustrate that. Uh, a couple of which are maybe because I happen to wear these labels at one point or another in my life, uh, frat boy, cause I was in a fraternity in college and it's like, that means something to someone. And so, uh, if I'm restricted to whatever their meaning is, uh, that's put on me, I'm very limited and I'm limited to what, whatever their definition is. Another one might be uh, licensing board chair or business owner or marriage and family therapist or husband or son or uh, baseball player or beer brewer or whatever it is. All these things that I've done, uh, they're just things that I do. They don't represent the depth of who I am. And yet collectively, they're, they're still just parts, but they are, they are all the same. And so if you just say, you know, frat boy, you miss all the other stuff. And if you just say business owner, you miss all the other stuff. And, um, for me, I don't ever want to limit a human being's potential because once I limit that, it doesn't give them an opportunity to do anything else. And when they start to do that other thing, like gun company owner and president starts to reach into the mental health community, that creates a cognitive dissonance that if, if I've slapped a label on you, I can't reconcile. And so I'll just, you know, froth at the mouth and harumph and say that that can't possibly be true. And then it's more mental acrobatics to keep you in the box than it is to meet you where you are. So I, I encourage people to avoid labels because they're by nature very limiting. And I don't think it's, it's wise to go limiting people because then we end up limiting ourselves in, in doing that. Yeah, I think it's, I'm in an interesting situation because first off, I come off as the ungodly guy, right? Like right, that's, right. In, in itself, it's confusing for people, uh, no matter what you believe, right? So they're like, wait a minute, what does that mean? Um, but then, 
I own a firearms company, but I'm, I'm very into mental health and suicide prevention and everything like that. So, um, you gotta be careful when you come at me and say silly stuff. And I don't mean this in this like confident, like I'm Mike Tyson, I'm going to walk out and knock you out. But there's this kind of running joke that, um, I've seen, you know, I've, I've had discussed with my friends because they're like, I'm, I'm, one of my good friends is this, this gentleman named Colleen Noir. His name's Colin, but Colleen Noir is who he goes by, and he's the face of the NRA. He has some very famous uh, YouTube videos. Um, we've gone, and he's been on Bill Maher, um, you know, and he his job is to defend the Second Amendment, but he's also a Walk the Talk America board member. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he always jokes around. He's like, you don't take what I take. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm nowhere near as famous as you. So yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, you got that one. <laughs> um, but second of all, it's sometimes people have to hit me with kid gloves. They're going to take a shot, right? Because it's mm-hmm. kind of like if I say to you, yeah, I'm going to go fight Ronda Rousey. What am I going to do? Like, does that, do I win by that? If I beat her, <laughs> what is that we're going to say? They're going to make fun of me, right? You beat up a girl. If she, if she yeah. whips my ass. What well, we expected that. She's a UFC fighter. She's a professional. Right. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, right? And if I, and if I beat, you know, I beat her, they're like, congratulations, you beat up a girl. Right? Yeah, like that's, right. that's, 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 from the old neighborhood, that's what exactly is going to be. a no-win situation. And it's kind of like what you do when you mess with me, because here I am out in the forefront, right? And I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about what is plaguing the community, like suicide, right? Um, our vets, we're losing vets and first responders at an alarming rate. You got to be careful when you say that I'm into taking people's rights away. Because first of all, I own a firearms company. It's mm-hmm. how I feed my daughters, mm-hmm. right? Um, and second, because I'm not just coming out of the woodwork saying it, right? I, second of all, um, when you say that it's just a gun grab or, you know, there's an agenda. And we're losing vets at this alarming rate. We're losing first responders at an alarming rate. We're losing people at an alarming rate to suicide and firearms. Right. Like, you're contradicting yourself a little bit that you're almost saying like, that's not important. It's more right. important to have the, you know, this, so you got to be careful. Yeah. You know? It's a very powerful position to be in, to, to be able to have that, this kind of dialogue when you carry those, um, professional titles and, and positions. It's, it's, it's very cool. Cause you've got an investment on uh, both sides, you know? Yeah, and I actually, I, there's something I want to share with you because this, I think this might be actually a good person to have on your show. It's a friend of mine, um, and and he has an amazing story, and this is a person that saw me speak at in Denver for Denver Gun Days, and he just started following me on Instagram, and one day, out of nowhere, he's like, you, you probably don't remember me, maybe you do, but I saw you speak in Denver. Um, can I have five minutes of your time? I'm in this situation. Right. And I, I said, sure. So I call him and he tells me this story about his father who had suffered this brain injury. And I won't go into the story because it's almost like a dark Forrest Gump. And there's mm-hmm. so many different layers to the story. This is why I mean, having him come on the show to tell the story himself, your listeners will be on the edge of their seat being like, I, I need to hear more. Um, but anyways, he had to red flag his father. Um, wow. And, and he's he's a very pro to a person. And he was tortured by that. Right. And um, remember, I told you earlier that we talk about these red flag laws and they've they've almost become like this mythical boogeyman. Right. right? Like we know we're against them in the two Second Amendment community, but we don't we've never experienced it or whatever. We just have these horror stories that scare us. And, you know, he came to me and asked my opinion, Mike, what do I do? You know, your your advice is going to mean something here. 
and we made this decision together and it made sense to him. And I said, look, I'll stand next to you, you know, but you know, when you're ready, I think that you'd be a good person. And I brought him to SHOT Show because I think people need to hear his story. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's like another thing that I want to make people think about, especially when it comes to red flag laws. Remember I told you that everybody always thinks of the situation from what they would do. And they look at themselves as a law abiding, you know, second amendment responsible citizen. What would happen if the cops came knocking off an accusation and took your firearms Mm -hmm. away from you? Well, yeah, of course you'd be pissed. But what, what happens if, you get in a situation where law enforcement has to come and intervene, right? And and it's funny because nobody ever thinks about those scenarios. And I finally found that, that unicorn that had to do that, that is super pro 2A. Like, he's, yeah. he, he, he's not coming off at it, but he tells this story. And what's been great about it is when people try to criticize me or they try to criticize David, I, 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 re- I reel them in. I say, hey, okay, okay. So have you ever had a situation like this? And, and of course, they, you know, especially the ones that are like biggest blowhards. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. This is what I did. I had a friend who was in the military and his wife called me. And me and Jim and the boys, we all got together and we ran down there and we told Jim, Jim, you're going to go, you got to go into this, uh, you know, you got to go get help. Yeah. We made him understand. And I'm like, oh man, that's completely awesome. That's cool. Jim has a lot of good friends, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm like, that's really awesome that it worked out. And I was like, one last question before I let you go, like same scenario, but Jim does what David's father did. He physically assaults you and he brandishes a firearm. What do you do? And it's always crickets. Blank stare. Yeah. And, but they just back out of that conversation quick or they, they're like, oh, I don't know. And if it's online, it usually happens with the, the keyboard warrior. He just doesn't answer again. He disappears. Right. And I hope he's okay. But, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, we laugh about it. But we do. We, we care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, my whole thing is is I'm here to, to spark the idea. I want to challenge you. So we have these really difficult conversations and, and we kind of talk through it and try to figure out maybe, maybe you have a solution, but I don't, I didn't see a solution for David. And when he tells the story, I'm like, dude, we got to get you out there. We got to get you on the circuit telling this because there's going to be people that are going to be faced with this very same issue that you have. And it, it and, will, and it bridges a gap. And, and yes. I, and I had this image in my head earlier um, so I don't want to wrap up cause I want to respect your time and, um, I gotta, I gotta write a paper, <laughs> but, uh, um, but I, um, I had this vision in my head of, uh, the mental health community standing on, uh, on one side and the, uh, the firearms community standing on the other side and in between them is a chasm and both of them are just kind of looking at each other and there's no real like animosity. It's just like, there might be suspicion, there might be like confusion, but in between them is this big this big chasm and you know, they're kind of looking at each other and maybe looking at themselves and scratching their heads. And then, you know, in comes Michael and he's like, Hey, um, guys, you know, what we need here a suspension bridge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you shout across and you're like, Hey, mental health America. How about you guys? And they're like, mm, okay, uh, sure. <laughs> we got some materials. And then before you know, it, you got this bridge now, like people are starting to 
you know, walk out with a little bit of trepidation maybe, but, you know, and, and timidity, but they're, they're starting to tiptoe across and they're like, well, maybe those people aren't so spooky. And it doesn't matter what side I'm talking about. Both sides are like those people, right? <laughs> like right, right, they're not, they're right. not so spooky. And eventually if we got people just kind of streaming back and cross uh, and forth across the bridge, that's where, that's where healing occurs. And that's where commonality is found. And that's where progress is developed. And you're always going to have people that just don't have any interest in approaching the bridge or the chasm altogether. Um, and that's fine. Uh, we don't need to make converts out of everybody, but what we absolutely must do is continue to build the bridge and maybe more bridges and different chasms and whatnot. And so I, I mean, I just appreciate what you've done and appreciate the selflessness, uh, by which you've done it or with which you've done it. And, um, I'm, I'm just really excited to have made contact. And, um, I, I think, I think there's really cool stuff coming. Um, I, I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm humbled and, and it's, and it's, I'm just very, I'm full of hope too. I think it's, uh, I think it's a new day and, and it just, it bodes well for human beings everywhere that this conversation and conversations like these are continuing to happen. No, thank you. And, and likewise. And, and I honestly, I, I do want to extend this. Like I want to keep this discussion going and I would love to use you, uh, you know, in times when I have a question or just want your opinion, because I respect that. And I think the more and more we come together, like th you, this is the first real standalone podcast that I've been on. That's been just solely mental health. Right. Oh, like, cool. From that perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been invited on 50 different firearms things, but once again, I'm just talking to my own side and, and I shouldn't even say, you know, I hate that. It's like you with the, the stigma thing. I hate yeah. saying side. I fucking hate it. Well, you say, like, you know, pe people of my ilk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like, so I'm happy that, you know, it, 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 I, I want more people to understand what we're up to because it really doesn't matter what your stance on uh, firearms is you can get behind what we're doing. And, you know, if, if you hate yeah. the NRA, you hate the 2A, 2AO organization, like there's all these other organizations out there, if you can't stand what they stand for, you know, I feel like this is a space that you could say, well, that's one that I'll get behind. I like that. Right, you right, know? right. Well, and, and like, who's really going to stand up and be like, no, I don't like educating people. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody talks like that. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. So, cool, no, man. thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, like I said, I apologize. If you let me go, I, I could honestly talk to you this like, till eight o'clock. So it's good that you stop. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, that, that day will be coming. I will either be in Vegas or you'll be up here and we will have that talk until, you know, all hours of the night. Um, and, uh, probably over some delicious home brews that are served out of my refrigerator, but, um, 100%, 100%. but, uh, yeah, don't apologize. I think this is just good information for everybody and you will, we'll, we'll do the editing on our end. Don't even worry about that. Um, this is, this is great. And if people, if it's too long for people, then they can just turn it off. Um, they, yeah. they, they reserve their autonomy. <laughs> well, uh, thanks man. Um, and once again, for the listening audience, uh, Michael Sodini, uh, you go to michaelsodini.com or, um, Mental, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we, uh, bleh, too much talking, uh, walkthetalkamerica.org, and you can find out more about uh, him, his organization, uh, his uh, his firearms company, uh, Eagle Imports. I think at the outset it sounded like legal imports, which which they are. Um, <laughs> yes, they're legal imports, but yeah, yeah Eagle it's Imports. Eagle, like the bird, yeah. Eagle, um, you know, uh, Bursa Firearms. That's another. That's one of our brands. Uh, Metro mm -hmm. Arms. Oh, uh, you know, all these guys are behind me. So you know, check that out too. 
Yeah, I was on there and I just I, I noticed there's one called Llama and I didn't know there was a there was a firearm uh, company called Llama. I think that's really cool. It makes me wonder what what they're shaped like. Uh, <laughs> llamas are fascinating creatures. But anyway, um, thanks, man. And on behalf of the uh, the Noggin Notes team for sure, uh, Safiso and I, and uh, and the Zephyr Wellness family because we you know we we sponsor this with my my time um i really from the bottom of my heart appreciate the innovative way that you're you're tackling this and we will be in touch and we now have each other's cell phones and we will uh text about various things in the future so thanks for coming on and uh if you want to reach out to us uh have questions uh reach out at info at nogginnotes.com or info at zephyrwellness.org and we'll get back to you uh either through the show or just through email thanks everybody for listening We wish you all great mental wellness. Bye-bye.